Good morning, church family. How are you today? Aren't we blessed? We are blessed. Um, listen, would you just give our interns an applause, a round of applause one more time? This is, this is off the cuff. This is off the cuff. This is, I didn't do this in the first service, but I, I'm going to do it now. There's an envelope in the back of that pew. Uh, maybe it's a different color. I don't really know, but I, I, I think there's some in there. If you want to give a love gift to our interns, we'll take that and we'll divide it up. You just put it in that envelope and we'll make sure that we get it to them. But they have... What a, man, what a great blessing it's been to have them this summer. Um, I pray that we've been as much of a blessing to them as they have been to us. But if you want to give just a love gift, just write on that uh, interns and we'll make sure that, that we get that to them. Uh, you know, the, it's really funny because there, were, there was a picture. I don't know if you, you maybe thought they were praying, but they weren't praying. It was Abigail, I think, and Logan laying on the floor. They weren't praying. They were exhausted. <laughs> and... <laughs> And so, uh, who was it, Peyton? Is that who it was? Yeah, they were, they were exhausted. Where is, where is Lindsay at? Lindsay Carroll. Is Lindsay still in here? Where is she at? She's around here someplace. Lindsay was singing. I know that we've got students that are headed off to, uh, to college, and Lindsay's been one of our students. And uh, Lindsay, we appreciate you, love you. You have shared your talents and gifts for all of our seniors that are getting ready to go off. We're going to send you guys out, not just as students, but we send you guys out as missionaries uh, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And so, would you turn with me this morning to the book of Romans? We're going to be there as we continue on uh, the book of Romans chapter, chapter 1. We're going to start out with verse 8 today. To sort of bring you up to date, last week I had, had made a statement that you know, the written word, God's word, has, has been extremely impactful in the lives of men over the years, men and women. I don't mean to men and women, so make sure we get that in there. Um, but we know that the Bible isn't just a book, but it's a collection of books written over a period of years. And one of those books was a letter written by Paul. It's the book that we've been focused on, and that book specifically has had a, an incredible impact in the lives of many people, one of those being a guy by the name of Martin Luther, who we talked about last week. Martin Luther had had a, 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 a scare in his life, and he, he promised God, maybe you've done that at some place, he promised God, God, you get me out of this, and I'll serve you the rest of my life. And that's exactly what happened. He got out. Um, he, at the age of 22, he joined an Aug uh, Augustinian monastery, and he became a monk. And it was there in the study of the Word, the study of God's Word, the reading of God's Word, he recognized that there were some things that were happening that didn't sort of line up with, with what God's Word had to say. And it caused him to ask some really important questions. And we talked about this, this is sort of just bringing you back from last week, some questions like, you know, what is it that, that, that is truth? Where does truth come from? Uh, also, how do we reconcile who we are with, with who God is? And it was those questions as well as other questions that caused him to write what was known as the 95 Thesis and tack that set of statements on the wall of the Wittenberg Church in 1517. And those questions really were, um, 
they were, it was a set of statements. They were an honest attempt by him to ask some questions, to have some questions, answers, to begin a, a deb- not just a debate, but an honest conversation about the policies and theologies that were in place by the Roman Catholic Church because he felt like there was a deception and corruption that was taking place. Um, and instead of heeding the call for reform, what ended up taking place is the Roman Catholic Church, they dug in their, their heels and they did everything that they could to silence those who questioned their leadership or authority. It was that time that that situation amongst others, it led to what we know now as the Protestant Reformation. And it was out of that Protestant Reformation there were some really huge uh, statements that were made, bold professions of faith, doctrinal statements that came from God's Word. Um, and I'm going to just hit them for you very quickly. We talked about them in depth. If you'd like to go back and listen to last week's uh, message, you can pick that up. But I'm going to just give them to you one more time. These are what's called the five solas. A sola means alone or only. These are five doctrinal statements that just as they were important then, um, they are important to us today. Amen? Amen? Yeah, that's amen. And so let me just read those to you very quickly. Sola Scriptura, Scripture alone that the Bible alone is our sole authority for all matters in faith and in Scripture. It is inspired and it is breathed by God. Second of all, sola fide, salvation is by faith alone. There were certain religious practices that were in place at that time. It was salvation. It was faith plus these things. Scripture teaches us it is by faith alone that we're, that we're saved. It is a, it's a gift from God, sola gratia. So salvation is by grace alone. We can't buy our way into heaven, but our salvation is, a, is an example of God's grace, that he's rescued us from his wrath by grace alone. Solo Christo, which is through Christ alone. Salvation is found in no one else but Jesus Christ, that his price, the price that he paid on Calvary, was his perfect sacrifice. It was enough to justify us as well as reconcile us to our heavenly Father. And lastly, Soli Deo Gloria, which is for the glory of God alone, that our highest priority is God's children, is the privilege to be able to serve him and to bring him glory. Amen? That's what it's about. It's not about walking in the doors of these church every Sunday morning, but it's about how do we live out those things of what the Scripture teaches us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But I've said all that to get us to where we are today in verse 8, and so if you please turn there with me. Last week, we talked about Paul, the servant, the source, the subject, the scope of the gospel. And today, we're going to continue on. And what I want you to do, if you would do this for me today, every time that you see inside of the scripture, the word I or my, what I'd like for you to do is I'd like for you to underline it. Okay, it's not, listen, it's not bad to write in your Bible. I write in my Bible all the time, okay? Uh, but I, I want you just to take note of how many times you're going to find in the word, in this p- passage of Scripture, these verses, the word I and my. So if you do that, let me read this Scripture for you today. And this is what Paul writes. Let me say first that I, I'll emphasize for a little bit, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith in him is being talked about all over the world. God knows how often I pray for you. Day and night, I bring you and your needs in prayer to God, whom I serve with all of my heart by spreading the good news about his son. 
One of the things that I always pray for is the opportunity, God willing to come at last to see you, for I long to visit you so that I can bring some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. And when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith because I want to be encouraged by yours. I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to visit you, but I was prevented until now, and I want to work among you to see spiritual fruit just as I have seen among other Gentiles. For I have a great sense of obligation to people in both the civilized and the rest of the world, to the educated and to the uneducated alike. So I am eager to come to you in Rome, two, to preach the good news. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Would you say that with me? For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Of this good news about Christ, it is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. But this good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. And this is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scripture says, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Let's pray. Father... It's already been a good day, a great day. As we pause over these minutes to talk about your word and the words that Paul wrote years ago, for those of us that are believers, that are professing believers in this room, may, may our hearts be encouraged and challenged. May we hear with a different set of ears for the person that may be here in this room or listening to my voice maybe on the internet or in a car. Lord, what I pray today is that they don't know you, that the eyes of their hearts would be open, that we would recognize our sin and recognize and come to believe that the only way of salvation is through you, through trusting you and what you did on the cross. Bless us in the reading of our word, this word, and Father, may you teach us over these next few minutes. That's what I pray in Christ's name. Amen. To begin with, we know that, that, um, that Paul was writing this around 57 AD. He would have been in Corinth, the city of Corinth, um, which would have been some 850 miles away uh, from Rome. Um, and I think there's, a, there's sort of a diagram. I want you to know that there's, there's theologians, there's historians that say that in Paul's missionary journeys, he ended up in Corinth because he was on his third missionary journey, that in his missionary journey, Paul probably traveled some 10 to 15,000 miles. <laughs> Let me just say this. That's a lot of blisters, okay? That's a lot of blisters and a lot of sandals that have been worn out. Whether it was by, whether he walked or whether he rode a camel, I don't really know. I can just tell you that's a long way. I know it's a long way because it's, it's, uh, it's just a long way. Just a long way. <laughs> From Jerusalem to Rome would have been 2,500 miles. I drove that two summers ago, 2,500 miles from Orlando to Los Angeles. Can I just say it's a long way? Three days of completely being on the road. And this joker, he traveled all that way, you know, for the sake of the gospel. And it was as he was there in Corinth that he would write this letter to the church at Rome, never having been there. 
I mean, Paul had never been there, but, but, um, but and it would take some three years after the letter had, had, had come and they had read this letter for it took him three more years to get to Rome. But I want you to look at what he says here. He says in verse eight, let me say first that I thank God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith in him is being talked about all over the world. And I want you to, to make note of this today because as Paul describes himself, he's, he's describing himself as a thankful man. And that's really important because as, as a follower of Christ, he is a thankful man. I had asked you a while ago, a while ago to underline some words, I and, and my, and, and when we read those, those, those statements, those, those words inside of this passage, Paul wasn't saying, he wasn't trying to brag about himself. Um, that wasn't what he was doing. He, he wasn't talking about his talents or his abilities or you know, his qualifications. But what he was doing was giving us a little bit of a, a look into his personal life as it relates to his gifts and passions. I mean, he was thankful. As a side note, um, we were with the overseers last time. And I don't know if you know this, but next year will be our 15th year. John, can you believe that? A 15th year is a church family uh, since we began next year. And as we sat around the table and as we talked, um, I just couldn't believe that it's been 15 years. And, it, and uh, I asked the question, I wonder how many of us will be sitting around this table 15 years from now. Think about that. I mean, 15 years, I'll be 72 years old. I didn't want to tell you how old Jerry's going to be. God willing, we all, I mean, I mean, it's 15, time flies, doesn't it? And as we were sitting talking about the legacy that we want to leave, because that's really important. Heritage is about legacy. What, what is the legacy we want to leave? You know, is it about, you know, this number of people or, or these specific things? You know, as we broke it down as a, as a group of overseers, the thing that kept coming back time and time again was we wanted to be a church with a good reputation. We wanted to be faithful with the gospel, what Jesus Christ had called us to do, and that we were faithful servants, taking the, the, the mission, being on mission, taking the gospel not only here but around the world, and that, and that we would be faithful to that, setting the stage for this next generation of believers that would follow in our footsteps. That's huge. That's a big deal. And as we, as we focused and as we thought and as we, as we talked about that, um, um, I, I thought to myself about the passage of Scripture that a, that a good name is better than great riches. It is. I used to hear this all the time, you know. See, parents, you don't recognize, see, what's bigger than your, than your 401K that you leave behind for your kids is the name, your name. It's the most important thing you'll ever leave behind. Are you a man of integrity? Are you a woman of integrity? You know, what do people think about when they hear your name? Do they think about dishonesty? Do they think about a man of his word? You know, it used to be there were many, many deals in the old days, Rob. They were just a handshake. You didn't have to have an attorney involved because men were men of their word. In these days, it's not that way, is it? The bottom line was that we wanted to be a, a people that were faithful, faithful to God, a love for God, and a love for other people. 
And, and, and I pray just as Paul had heard about the faith and the love of the believers that were there at, at Rome, that we as a church would have a similar reputation. That the people in our community, when they speak of us, they would speak of us of, of they were different. That we're different because of the gospel, not because of the church that we go to, but because of the God that we serve and the Jesus and the Holy Spirit that lives within us. Amen? We should be different. And that that same conversation would happen over and over and over again as it would reverberate out because of our, our faithfulness. I mean, here it is, uh, 2,500 miles away. Here's Paul, 850 miles away in Corinth. And yet Paul had heard this story about the faithfulness of the people that were in Rome. Now we ask the question, maybe how in the world, if Paul had never been there, how in the world did the church even begin in Rome? Well, it's, it's, it's thought, it's believed that it was probably from back at Pentecost. There were some that were at Pentecost that, that after they left in the persecution, after they went back, there were, they took the gospel with them. Here it was. I mean, the Holy Spirit comes. The believers are assembled. Man, they're drunk. Peter stands up. These guys aren't drunk. Man, this is what was, this is what was testified in the Old Testament. And he goes on to share the gospel. And the Bible tells us that there were 3,000 that were saved and were baptized on that day. And that probably that, that the believers that were in Rome, that the church had begun, were, had come from that time frame. And here's Paul thanking the Lord for the believers, for the church at Rome, for their faith, that they were being talked about all over the world because of their, their faithfulness. And listen to what he goes on to say. Paul says, God knows how often that I what? I pray. God knows how often I pray for you day and night. This, this ongoing, this continual thought, day and night I bring you and your needs in prayer to God. Even though Paul had never met these believers at Rome, he was connected. Even though they were disconnected physically, they were connected spiritually. He prayed for them. And I want you to write down that a servant of Jesus has a thankful heart. He has a, he has a thankful heart. But not just a thankful heart, but, they, but he also has a, a heart that, is, that trusts and is devoted to the Lord. I'm not writing that in there. You know, the past couple of years has been really difficult. I don't, I don't know if you understand that. But before COVID ever came around, you know, we're, we're a church that has been on mission. We're a church that has been on the mission field multiple times. Some of you have been on those mission trips. But over the past several years, we've not been able to go as much as we would like to. Matter of fact, we've been shut down for about the past three or four years as it, as it has from going overseas. But before COVID ever hit, we had teams that were canceled going into Haiti and Nicaragua because of the security levels that were heightened and we couldn't send teams in. But just because we haven't sent teams in doesn't mean that we haven't been active in ministry, that we have not been still connected to them emotionally and spiritually. You as a church have been faithful in, in giving and we've, been, we've prayed and from time to time we bring updates to you about what's taking place. Just this past week, we as a church had an opportunity to give a gift to one of our missionaries in Nicaragua out of, out of something that they're ex experiencing. Every month we give, we give money to, that goes to India for our work there. We have people that are doing work in Africa. Dan's got a, a project right now with Eric and his team back in, in, in Liberia of, of collecting some items. There's a lot of things, but continually, I mean, here it was, even though he wasn't there, there was a continual thought process. They're this far away. 
this far away, and yet, man, he's thinking about them and praying for them. But you know, it's not just about the going, it's not just about the giving, but it's also about the praying. And it's, and it's a word of encouragement. Did you know a word of encouragement can do an awful lot? Can you imagine the missionaries that have been disconnected physically to receive a word of encouragement, not just a check in the mail, but as you know, with one of the great blessings that has come out of this COVID has been that we've all become a little bit more used, uh, are used to, to using Zoom or some type of a, of, a, of a tool to communicate online. And one of the things that's come out of this is being able to communicate with missionaries and, uh, that are on the field and, and be able to encourage them. Um, whether it's been by snail mail, by social media, phone calls, or these quick Zoom meetings, you know, it's just amazing to think how much a word of encouragement can mean to those. See, you, you don't know this, but there are lots of missionaries that are coming off the field every day because they're discouraged, because they've lost um, their support, because there's, there's, there's difficulty going on in the country that they're serving. I was talking to a, to a counselor friend of mine this past week. Matter of fact, I was talking to two of them. I talk to counselors all the time, by the way, just so you know that. Y'all are supposed to laugh at that. <laughs> but two of my friends who were counselors, we were talking, and both of them had the same message. Sid, it's a mess. We're dealing with depression, discouragement, mental illness, uh, pastors that are leaving the, 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 the ministry people that have been in ministry for years and years that are becoming discouraged and say, I'm done with this. I can't do this any longer. And here's Paul thinking. But Paul's thinking and praying for this group of people that he had never met. Was, it, wasn't just, it wasn't just because he loved them, but it was also a symbol of his devotion and his um, trust in the Lord. You know, I love, I love what Paul wrote to the church at, at Philippi when he, when he had made this statement. Don't listen, don't worry about a thing. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and, and thank him for what, for what he's done. Listen to what he goes on to write. God knows how often I pray for you day and night. I bring you and your needs to, in, God to, um, in prayer to God, whom I serve with all of my heart, spreading the good news about his son. One of the things I always pray for is the opportunity, God willing to come at last to see you. See, there's a connection between prayer, prayer and purpose. There is. The interns and I were having a conversation the other day, and you know sometimes people in ministry think ministry or people on the outside think that ministry is is a forty hour a week job. No, it's twenty four seven. Our love for Jesus prompts us to live for Him twenty four seven, not not eight to five. You hear me? See, those of you that you may have a job and you think that your job is so that you can draw an income so that you can live. Have you ever thought about the fact that maybe your job isn't just for drawing an income or retirement or for benefits, but maybe it's a place of ministry? Students, you're getting ready to go back to school. Some of you are getting ready to go back to college. I will promise you this. It's not just a place of learning. It is a place of ministry for you to be on mission for Jesus. See, that golf course or that conference room or that ball field that you may be isn't just a place to, to carry out a job or a hobby, but it's a place of ministry. It's a place that God gives us to, to he gives us a place of purpose and direction. Here we are as a disciple of Christ. 
Sometimes we think, oh, well, I accept Jesus, that's it. No, 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 it's not just about that. You know, well, I've been baptized. You talk to somebody about the relationship. Well, I've been baptized, okay? See, a disciple really is three things. Somebody that recognizes it, accepts the invitation to follow Jesus, but also is being changed into the likeness of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul said, I listen, I'm crucified with Christ. I'm not the one who lives now, but Christ who lives within me. But not just being changed into the likeness of Christ, but also committed to the mission of Christ. Jesus put it in a nutshell, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. So if you're a professing believer today, can I, I just ask this question, how are you living on mission? How are you living on mission? What's it so quiet in here for? We need some chatter. How are you as a follower of Christ, not just participating in church, but how are you being the church when you walk out these doors 24-7, not just 8 to 5, or from 9 to 12 on Sunday mornings, or from 6 to 8 on Wednesday nights? How are you being the hands and feet, how are you extending the gospel that has been extended to you? And Paul goes on to write in verse 11, for I long to visit you, why, what was the purpose behind his travel? I, I long to visit you so that I can bring you a spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. When, I, when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to in, be encouraged by yours. I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that I plan many times to visit you, but I was prevented until now. I want to work among you and see the spiritual fruit just as I've seen among other Gentiles. Talking about spiritual gifts and spiritual fruit, it's a big deal for Paul. I mean, when Paul's talking here to the Romans, he brings it out. You're going to see a little bit more a little bit later on in this series as we talk about that where Paul brings it up. But he just doesn't bring it up here, but he talks about it throughout many of the letters that he wrote, whether it was to the church at Ephesus, to the church at Galatia, when he was writing to Timothy, when he was writing to the church at Corinth, time and time again. And what Paul teaches us is that there are different gifts. Those gifts come from the Lord. They are a result of his grace, that all of us that are followers of Christ have been given a gift. Those of us that have been transformed, have been filled with the Spirit, have been given a gift, and that gift has been given not so that you can bring glory to yourself, but so that you can bring glory to God and so that you can edify and, uh, edify and encourage and equip the church body. I said a lot, that's a lot, wasn't it, in one breath. But it wasn't Paul that just talked about spiritual gifts, but seven years after he would pen this letter, Peter himself would come along and he would write this in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. God has given each of you, believers, from his great variety of gifts, um, of spiritual gifts, use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak through God himself for speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with the strength and the energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ all glory and power to him forever and ever and ever and ever. And while we're talking about spiritual gifts, can we say this? A spiritual gift is like a part of the body. It's a part of the body. Number one, every part belongs and has a reason for being in the body. There is a purpose. If you are a follower of Christ and you're a part of this body, you have a specific role to play. There's a purpose. Amen? Number two, every part needs the other parts. We all need one another. That's true. 
Because when we don't have access to the other, we're, we're missing something. I was in a lawnmower accident when I was four years old. My left foot, I lost it. My right foot, I, I, I lost that. They sewed it back on. My left leg is smaller than my right leg because my right leg has to compensate for my left leg. Some of you are like going, what? Yeah, four years old. That's the way it was. Um, I used to tell people, you know, the Bible says to defend, they pluck it out, cut it off or whatever. So I guess my foot was in that situation. I used to make jokes as a kid. The point is this, every part of the body is important. And when a part of the body is not being used or is not, it's not being as it should, something else has to, to work harder. The third part, it does something for the body to edify, to encourage, to equip. And so if you are a professing believer, a part of the body of Christ here, my question is, what is your spiritual gift and how are you using that gift for the edification, for the empowerment, for the equipping of the church? See, Paul's longing to visit Rome. It wasn't, he didn't want to go to Rome, so he said, man, I can just go see the Colosseum and the sites and, and, and you know, have, have a little bit of Roman food there. Um, that wasn't why he was going, but he had a reason for going. He wanted to, to preach the gospel and he wanted to encourage them by bringing the gift that he had. Paul got pumped up about seeing other people use their spiritual gifts. Let me tell you, one of the greatest gifts of a pastor is being able to see, see you use the gifts that God has given you for the building up of the church, not for, your own, uh, not for your own glory, but for God's glory. And when that begins to happen, things take place. Man, there's a synergy that begins to happen when people understand that they're a part of the body and they begin to use that part for his glory. Amen? Yeah. So the question is, what part are you and what, how are you using that gift? How are you using that gift? Some of you say, well, I, I, don't, I don't really know. And I'm glad you asked that question. How can I find out? We've got a place online on our website that you can go to. It'll give you a little bit of an indicator. You can take that inventory and when you take that inventory, it'll give you back some feedback after you take those questions about maybe what your spiritual gifts are and some, some details about those spiritual gifts. Or I think we've got to look at, we have entered into the world of QR codes. <laughs> you can take your phone, take a picture of that, and it'll take you to the website. And I don't do that right now, but, you know, but make, sure you, make sure you take a picture of it and you'll take you. Huh? Do it now. Well, that's all you got to do. But don't you be taking the test now because I'm not done yet, okay? Oh, yeah. But take a picture of that. It'll take you right to that. It'll help you discover what your gifts are. Paul goes on to say this in verse 14. For I, I have a great sense of obligation to people in both the civilized world and the rest of the world, to the educated and to the uneducated alike. So I'm eager to come to you in Rome, too, to preach the good news. Remember that Rome would have been the hub of activity. I think there was a saying 
um, everything goes through Rome. It was a melting pot, not only of activity, of commerce, but it was also a, a great melting pot of people for rich, for poor, for young, for old, for Jew, for Greek, for educated, uneducated, civilized, uncivilized. And here's Paul saying, look, I have a great sense of obligation to come to you. And he's talking about purpose. And I, I, I am indebted I've got to, I want to bring something to you because I have received something. My life has been changed. And Paul's thinking, there's no way that I can repay Christ for what he has done. But he lives with this attitude of gratitude, sharing with others what he himself has received. And Paul is eager to make it to Rome because he wants to share of himself, but he also wants to what? He wants to preach the good news. He wants to share with others the good news that he himself had received. Do you, do you have, as a professing believer, that same sense of obligation and indebtedness? Do you have that same sense of urgency to share the good news with those around you? If not, my question is why? See, because I know you, I know you because I see you put deer heads up on Facebook when you, know, when you kill this big deer and you know you want to brag about, tell everybody, or you catch this big fish, you know, or you make this purchase, or as of late, it's been uh, these, these gender reveals. We know when, when you got somebody that's pregnant and all of a sudden, I mean, you, and you can't tell me you don't like sharing good news, but what's good news to you? Is the good news really good news or is it just some old news? See, if the good news is good news and you really understand how bad you were in, then the good news becomes really good news. You want to share it with other people because it's really, really good news and you want the world to know. And what Paul says in the next two verses, we could spend hours, hours here, but I'm not going to do it. And we'll read it quickly, give you a couple of points and we're to close up. But listen to what he says. For I am not ashamed of the good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. The Jew first and also the Gentiles. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scripture says, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Write this down. We can have confidence in the gospel. You know, and I thought to myself, why in the world would Paul at this place in the letter write this, make this statement, I am not ashamed. I mean, that's a big deal. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why is he making that statement at this point? I mean, it, I think Paul would have known of the, of the issues that were going on in Rome at that time, the, the difficulties that the believers were having because of persecution and oppression. Remember, we're just seven years out from when Rome would be destroyed and burnt by Nero. Remember that. And that all the Jews would be killed and be hung and they would be burnt and their, light, their bodies would be hanging, across, hanging on, on beams going down the road to light the gardens. We're seven years out from that. And so obviously Paul knew the persecution and suffering that they were experiencing. But, but here's the deal. Regardless of the suffering and the shame that they may have endured, Paul wanted them to know that God's power was greater. And they didn't need to be fearful and they did not need to be ashamed. And so Paul makes his statement, for I am not ashamed, because this is the good news. It's about Jesus Christ. Let me give you just a few statements about the gospel. Write these down. Jesus is at the center of the gospel, nothing else. 
Without Jesus, there is no good news. Without Jesus, there is no gospel. Jesus is crucified and risen. Secondly, the power of God at work. The gospel is the power of God at work. The same power that put the stars in the heavens, that put the moon and the sun in place, the same God that created uh, all that there is, the same God that, that raised Jesus from the dead is the same God, the same power that, that saves us through the gospel. The gospel isn't just the power of God, even though it is, but it also contains the power of God. I love this statement that, that Michael Byrd made in a book that he had written about the commentary on the book of Romans, talking about the story of God. And this is what he said, and I quote, the gospel is a speech act in that it is not only announces the way of salvation, but actualizes the salvation um, in those who hear it with faith. The gospel manifests, and listen to these these descriptions. God's death-defeating, curse-reversing, evil-vanquishing, devil-crushing, sin-cleansing, life-giving, love-forming, people-uniting, super-uber-mega-grace power that results in salvation. Isn't that awesome? That's great. Yeah. And that's what he said. And Paul goes on to say that the gospel not only is the Jesus at the center, the power of God at work, but the gospel saves everyone who believes. Salvation is available to everyone who comes to, to, comes to believe and place their faith in Christ. Paul says here to first to the Jew and to the Gentile, he wasn't talking about favoritism. He was just talking about historical fact. God had given salvation to the Jews first so that they would become a light to the world, so that others would come to know him. The fourth thought is, tells us how God makes us right in his sight. God's righteous activity versus our human receptivity. We aren't made right with God by our efforts, but by faith. And fifthly, the gospel is received by faith. Paul said it this way as he spoke, as he uh, wrote in uh, Titus chapter 3. He saved us not because of the righteous things we've done, but because of his mercy. His mercy. He goes on to say, he washed away our sin, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of his grace, he made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. That we're made right with God from start to finish by faith. The other day, Brian, when he was preaching in the book of Habakkuk, and then, and then Paul also brings the, back this point in Habakkuk chapter 2. It reminds me of that statement and what he wrote. Look at the proud, they trust in themselves, and their lives are crooked, but the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. It's about faith. Salvation is about faith from beginning to end. Our right standing with God has nothing to do with our human accomplishments, our abilities, your talents, your work ethic, but it's received by faith. There is not a thing that we do that can deserve it, but faith leads to life. But faith also leads to action. Watch this video clip. For decades now, our kids have met every September at an event called See You at the Pole to pray for their schools, their teachers, and their communities. Now it's time for the adults in their lives to step up and pray for them as they go back this year. 
Will you join us in praying? I'm going to a new school this year. Will you please pray for me? I'm excited about going to school this year. Will you pray for me? We need your support. It's my first year of high school. Will you please pray for me? I'm looking forward to going to my new school this year. Please pray for me. Thank you for praying. Please pray for me as I start going to middle school this year. This year's going to be different. Will you please pray for my teacher? Please pray for my friends and I as we go back to school this year. Please pray for me when I start school this year. Thank you for praying. Please pray for me as I go back to school this year. Thank you for praying. This afternoon, we have the privilege of being able to put our faith into action. As you know, we say, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, this afternoon at 7 o'clock, as a church family and multiple church families around our, our central Florida area are going to be gathering on school campuses 7 o'clock tonight. My challenge to you, um, and I have no way of keeping up with this, my challenge for you is that you'll find a campus that you'll go to this afternoon, whether it's an elementary, a middle, or high school, and you'll go to that campus and you'll meet with those people that are gathered there and that you'll gather to pray as God's people, not just as Heritage Community Church. That the body of Christ will be meeting in multiple places tonight all around Central Florida at 7 o'clock on campuses and for the sole purpose of praying, to being the hands and feet, putting to action those things that we say that we believe. I want you to participate in that. We started this last year. It grew ex exponentially overnight. Tonight, I'm expecting more than 2,000 people to be gathered to pray around our campuses. All of our campuses in Lake, Sumter, Citrus, into Marion, down into Hernando, to Polk County. I've gotten word from other places that are, that are participating in this. There, I, I want us not only to be there to say I was there, I want you to be there to pray intentionally because we have something to share. See, you pray for those that you're passionate for. And if you're passionate about serving and if you're passionate about, uh, about giving others what you have received, you want to be part of something like this because you recognize what you have. Do you know what it's like for a principal to walk in and to know that they've got somebody praying for them? You know what it's like for a teacher that teaches in a classroom to know that they've got somebody that is walking alongside of them, partnering with them. Do you know what it's like for a student to walk on a campus and to know that they've got the support of other people that's praying for them, that they will be a witness on that campus, not just receiving education? Do you know what it's like to have parents that are praying for one another, that are partnering together because they, they know that they want their kids not only to receive an education, but they want them to grow spiritually. They want them to grow up in their faith. So tonight, we have the privilege of gathering. I want you to gather. I don't care what school do you go to. Maybe it's a school that your kids go to. Maybe it's just one that's close to your house. But I challenge you guys to pray, to go and to pray. If you're on social media, I want you, all I want you to do is just, if, if you take pictures, I just want you to put hashtag school prayer so that we all can be able to see these pictures that are happening, these prayer gatherings that are taking place around Central Florida. But you take, man, I challenge you to be the hands and feet of Jesus. As we close today, we have been really excited about some things that have been going on, and we want to close by having Brian introduce some people to you.
as well. Step up into the light. <laughs> it's been a good day already. Uh, man, the spirit has been in this place. The singing was incredible. And uh, preaching about the gospel, that's what we are always focused on here. And sometimes, every once in a while, you know, we're a, we're a church of a lot of cool stories. Okay? We've only been around 14 years. But every once in a while, Sid will say, you know, I think our best days are ahead of us. And you're like, how? You know, is that going to be possible because of all the great things that have happened to this point? But I'm just thinking just even through today, you know, seeing these interns and the impact that they have had on the lives of many. You know, it wasn't that long ago that Travis and Allison moved here. She obviously loves young people and has a heart for people and the word of God. And then Brian and Leslie moved here and, and his leadership and how this stuff sounds up here is just unbelievable, isn't it? Well... Joining our team today is Michael and Chrissy Hux. Um, Michael and Chrissy moved here from South Carolina like two days ago, and uh, they are coming on staff, them and their beautiful three girls, to, to, uh, to serve in youth ministry. There's a lot of teenagers here in the room today. I know you're excited. Let me say this before I let Michael say something. Um, this Wednesday night, if you are the parent of a middle school or high schooler, okay, 6th through 12th grade, you need to be in this room at 6 o'clock this Wednesday so that you can sit and listen with, with Michael and, and listen to his vision for youth ministry of the coming years. Also, if you are someone who works with student ministry as a youth worker or you've been thinking that maybe that is the area for your spiritual giftedness to come alongside and serve in student ministry you also need to be in this room Wednesday night at 6 o'clock, okay? Um, all the teenagers, we're going to be at Veterans Park, just right there. So me and Brooke and Allison and Travis and whoever can be there. Brian, Leslie, we're going to take the kids for refuge at the park so that all the adults can be in here with Hux. But with that being said, do you want to say something to your new church family? We're excited to be here. We truly are. I believe in the next generation like never before. I had the first service do this. I'm going to have the second service do it. If you receive Jesus before the age of 18, can you stand to your feet? So if you're wondering why I do what I do and why I love to do what I do what I do, this is why. Uh, we know the stats. Uh, many people who come to know Christ do so. 85% of people do so before the age of 18. Um, I love the next generation. It is a joy to serve alongside these guys who I've known for so many years. I'm looking forward to getting after it, advancing the kingdom of God with them uh, because we truly are unashamed of the gospel. My wife, Chrissy, and I are excited. We seriously are. Um, so that's all I have to say right now anyway. Excellent. It's an exciting day. Uh, currently... They are um, going to uh, crash with his mom and dad <laughs> while we, they uh, figure out where they're going to live and, and uh, navigate this crazy housing market right now. So, uh, but uh, in the coming uh, weeks and months, I pray that you guys will get to know Michael and Chrissy and their family and that you will pour out that heritage family love on them. And so um, see if you want to pray and then we will be dismissed guys see you at a school campus tonight somewhere you know i was thinking uh, you know when you get in a car you got to sort of pull and you got to you got to buckle up you know what i'm saying you get in the vehicle if you don't buckle up these days the beeper goes off beep 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 you finally got to you better buckle yourself up there's a lot of stuff happening and jesus is on the throne and we're excited about what's next would you pray with me father 
as we walk out these doors every Sunday, just like we say. Would you help us to be ambassadors for you and nothing else? For the person that may be here today that don't know you, even today, would they be willing enough, bold enough, courageous enough to walk down and see myself or Brian or, or Michael or Chrissy or Meredith or any others, would they walk down and say today, I want to trust Jesus. Will you show me how? Will you talk to me about this? Thank you for the privilege we have, Father, to, to be your children. May we live solely Deo Gloria for your glory alone. Bless us now as we walk. Use us. May we be, be incredible billboards. And tonight, the gathering of these people around these campuses, may it take our breath away about the love, the, the, um, the passion of God's people on these campuses tonight. Fathers, we direct our attention to you and we pray. Thank you, Father, for hearing us. In Jesus' name, amen.